What's up, New Spring? Welcome to our Sunday gathering. It is December. Do you know that it's 17 days from now is Christmas? 17 days. I want you to cheer if you're done with all your Christmas shopping. Can I hear you? And you people are weird. I don't know where you find the time to do that. Hey, uh, we just saw a little bit about our overflow offering. I wanted to uh, report some really exciting, encouraging news. Currently, as of today, over 1,000 families have already given to the overflow offering. That is massive, and we praise God for that. But what's even more impressive, that's double the number of families that had given this time last year. So I wanna stir some faith in you. I wanna encourage you, get involved, get on board. Pray with your family, with your kids, your spouse, your roommates, pray and ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do so that we can see the kingdom of God grow and expand? We're praying for 100% participation across all of our campuses and you don't wanna miss out. So I'm speaking to you as one of your pastors. Let's do this together and let's see what God can do all over South Carolina in our communities, our state, and our world. I'm really, really excited about this as well. On Tuesday night, we had our last rally of the year. I know some of you were there. It was right here in this room. I had a chance to come and be a part of it. And I wanna celebrate not, not just the attendance. It was a thousand plus young men and women, young adults, college age students. We saw many people, dozens of people respond to the gospel. Uh, that was amazing. I want to celebrate the rally team and the great job that Pastor Kurt Frisbee and all of his team does. God is doing so many great things at New Spring right now. And I'm excited to preach this message because I am filled with joy today. Because Santa Claus is coming to town. I've been a good boy. I'm getting some good stuff this year. My wife has done, told me I'm getting some good stuff this year. Probably a big bag of black coffee. That's all I want, right? So I hope that you are ready to receive because I've got a word for you today as we dive into week two of our Joy to the World series. Now, I'm gonna start this message um, by, by telling you there are some things in life I love. I love Christmas, I love Thanksgiving, I love food, I love black coffee, I love vanilla ice cream, I love tackle football, I love the woods, I love my wife. There are some things I hate. Cilantro, clowns, decaffeinated coffee, unsweetened tea, skim milk, cilantro, did I say cilantro? And math. Now, now I, before a math teacher starts to throw a calculus book at my face, let me tell you why I don't like math. It's real easy, because it's satanic. That's why I don't like it. And how do I know it's satanic? The Bible teaches that it's satanic. You don't believe me? Look it up. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Some of y'all are gonna Google it right now. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Let me tell you what it says. God is not the author of confusion. <laughs> Math is the most confusing thing I have ever attempted to discern in my life. So if God is not the author of confusion and math is confusing and God didn't author it, the devil did, which makes it satanic. I'm not only a Christian, I'm an American. It is against my religious freedom guaranteed to me by the Constitution of the United States to take math anymore because, all right, some of y'all are praying for my salvation right now, okay? 
hey, I, I did grow up not liking math. It was difficult for me when they only used numbers. But then they had to introduce symbols. Then they had to add to the numbers and the symbols letters. Like this is not English, this is math. And I want you to know that the more numbers and letters and symbols they kept adding, the more confused I got. But I wanna show you the most confusing equation in the history of the world. Some of you are gonna remember this. This is leading me to my message today because I wanna show you an equation from the Bible that you've never probably thought about before. But before I do that, I wanna throw back to the year 1997. The year was 1997. Uh, that's the year that I met my wife. That's also the year that uh, Matt Damon starred in a movie called Good Will Hunting. Come on, somebody, let's hear it for the 90s. It was a decade of Bon Jovi, all right. This equation was in the movie. So Matt Damon plays a character who worked as, um, basically he, he mopped the floors at MIT, the like smartest school in the world. And there was a professor who wrote up this equation, which apparently is the most difficult math problem in all of history, on a blackboard. And the professor came to school one morning and someone in the middle of the night had worked out the answer to the equation on the blackboard. And it turned out it was Matt Damon who was a custodian who just had this crazy mind and ability to figure out this equation. I don't know what this means, but I know the source of it. I know where this comes from. I did not create this. We pulled this off the internet. This is an actual picture of the equation from Goodwill Hunting. But I'm gonna tell you where it originates. Sin, 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 sin. I told y'all I'm a man of God. I've got discernment from the devil. I'm just kidding, math is not from the devil. I want all the math teachers to know I'm just making a joke. Math was difficult for me, but this is just, like this makes no sense to me. But for some of you, it does. I wanna show you an equation that honestly comes straight from the Bible, but in a lot of ways, it's even weirder than this. Here's the equation. It's gonna look simple, but it's a lot more complicated. Pure joy equals trials. So today, we're not gonna talk about happiness. Pastor Dan taught us last week that happiness is based on what happens to you. We're not even gonna talk about joy. We're gonna talk about pure joy. Joy that has been filtered. Joy that stands the test of time. What's the difference between joy and pure joy? We're gonna find out. But I just wanna say from the outset, this just sounds dumb to me. I try my best to avoid trials, don't you? I mean, I'm not volunteering for trials. I, I try to avoid them. A, sp a specific um, example would be like a legal trial. I hope to spend my entire life without ever having to go to court. The only people that volunteer for trials are usually people who are very, very desperate and they're willing to try out a, a trial drug to see if it can save them from a disease that there's no cure for. But I wanna show you from the scripture today how this equation actually works. And I'm not gonna explain it. I'm gonna let the man who said these words explain it. His name is James. He was the brother of Jesus. 
He was the first bishop of the church in Jerusalem after the resurrection, and he wrote the New Testament book of James. And he starts off the book of James as he writes it to the 12 tribes of Israel that have been scattered. The reason why they were all scattered is because they were being persecuted by Rome. And so James, the brother of Jesus, is going to be our math teacher today. He is gonna explain to us the weird spiritual calculus of this equation that on the surface doesn't make any sense. How could trials bring us not just joy, but pure joy? Well, let's read what the scripture says as James begins his letter in James 1, 2 through 4. I'm gonna show you a few words that are important. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, a couple of words we're gonna unpack. First is the word consider. It's an important word because it leads us to this concept of not just joy, but pure joy, a joy that has gone through a process. And when should we consider pure joy in our lives? Whenever we face trials. Trials are not easy. Trials by nature are difficult. Trials by nature challenge us. They push us further than we want to go. Oftentimes, trials are unexpected. We don't get to pick when they come. We only get to pick how we respond to them. So James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because there's a reason behind it. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith. I don't like being tested. I don't like taking tests. I don't like taking a test at the DMV. I don't like taking a test online. Pretty soon, y'all, I just turned 47 years old the day before Thanksgiving. Pretty soon, I'm gonna have to succumb to Mother Nature and time and gravity and age, and I'm gonna have to go get my eyes tested. And you know why I'm, you know why I literally don't do it? Because I hate testing. I don't want somebody putting me in front of one of those things to tell me what I already know, which is you're half blind and you need glasses. I know that. I'm just trying to live in denial. Okay? It's more than a river in Egypt. It's where I live. Denial. The Nile. The come on, Columbia. Y'all give me some love. Okay, come on, Charleston. Let's go, Spartanburg. I want you to know that testing is not fun. But what it does, it produces something that we need. It produces perseverance. That's where the trial and the test take us. It produces this good result, and this is what James says in verse four. Let perseverance finish its work so that, this is important, you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Don't miss these words. Mature. That's a good word. That's what we should strive for. Complete. I don't know about you, but I want completion in my life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to lack anything. And as a Christian, 
as a child of my Father, as a daughter of your heavenly Father, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, God, your Father, does not want you to lack anything. He has made promises to you. He has put his name on those promises. He has given us his word. He wrote a book and delivered it to us, given to us, down through the ages, through the saints, through the apostles, through the prophets, and he has given us promises. I don't wanna lack anything that God has already provided for me. I want it all, not because I'm selfish. I am selfish for God's glory. I am greedy for the world to see God's glory. I am greedy for lost people. I don't want the devil to have their souls. I want God to have their souls. So if we're gonna be greedy, let's be greedy for the glory of God. I I don't wanna lack anything, but how am I gonna get there? How are we gonna get there to that place of completion? How do we arrive at a place of maturity? How do we get to a place where lack is a thing of the past? How do we get there? We persevere through trials. And the process is difficult, but oh, it, it has a great result. It really, really does. And so if you'll give me your ears and give the Holy Spirit your attention, I wanna show you that from this passage of scripture, we can learn a lot from James. James does the math for us. And you know what, here's the deal. Remember, I used the example, and of course, I played it up a little bit. I didn't like math, but you know what I did like? My math teachers. I had three great math teachers I specifically remember from high school. Miss Bixler, Miss Hughes, and Miss Alfred from Hillcrest High School. I didn't like math, but I loved my teachers, and they taught me something because I trusted them. You may not like the painful trial you're going through, but you can trust the God who's taking you through it. You may not like the trial, you may not enjoy the test, but you can know that your good, good heavenly Father is never gonna let anything come to you that has not passed through his hands on the way. It may not be God who created the trial, but it is God who allows us to go through the trial. God is so good, he can take a bad thing that the enemy meant for evil, and when God gets his hands on it, it produces a good result in your life and in my life. I'm excited about this. I wanna be mature, I wanna be complete. I don't wanna lack anything, but if I'm gonna get that kind of pure joy, I cannot eject every time it gets hard. I can't quit when I get uncomfortable. I can't bail out when the heat is turned up. I've got to stay in the process. So I want to show you a few of these words as I unpack them. The first is the word consider. We think about the word consider as thinking about something. I'm I'm considering a move to Florida. I'm considering a new job. I'm considering going to USC or Furman or Wofford. I'm considering going to Clemson or Anderson University. I'm considering moving across town. But consider is more than that. It's how you see it and what you call it, whatever it is. Whatever it is, that trial, whatever it is, that test, you can see it from a different perspective. You can Call it a different thing. That's what the word consider means in verse two. Consider it pure joy. Well, hold on. Um, when I am in a hard situation, when, when my family member's dying of cancer, when I'm looking at a, at a divorce paper that's just been served to me, when I'm looking at our bank account and there is no way in this world we can pay all the bills, uh, that's not pure joy. That's pure torture. 
When I'm looking at the sickness and the doctors can't fix me, when I'm looking at a roof with a hole in it and our insurance won't cover it, when the engine in our car just blew up, my kids are not doing well, they've rebelled, I've got a, a family member on drugs, I'm, I'm not gonna, how can I consider that pure joy? You get to do this, pick the perspective. You get to do this, I get to do this. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna jump off this stage before this sermon is over. This is my, this is my life's message from from 9, 10, 11 years ago, I've lived this, y'all. I've lived this. I'm telling you, we get to call it what we wanna call it. If you call it a bad thing, it's gonna have a bad result. If you call it a terrible thing, then terrible things are gonna happen. If you call it evil and from the devil, then you're gonna just imagine that Satan's out to get you. But if you call it a blessing, if you call it a process, if you call it a trial that's gonna make you better, if you name it something different, this is a test. And when I pass the test, I will be trusted. If you call it a good thing, good things will come from it. Because we are Christians. Jesus will never let anything happen to us until he has already, in his wisdom and sovereignty, planned out a good result from a bad thing. So you get to pick the perspective. Your boyfriend just broke up with you. One perspective, oh no, what am I gonna do without him? I was in love with him. He was such a good guy. Now I'm so depressed. Another perspective. Thank you, Jesus, that for some reason I wasn't ready to be with this boy. Thank you that you protected me from a worse heartbreak. Thank you that you stopped us before we had sex and I got pregnant. Thank you for, for giving me the, the wisdom to know that this is from you. If he's not the one for me, there's another one better for me. Thank you, I'm not ready yet. I'm in the seventh grade. You get to pick the perspective. And as a Christian, can I, can I say this? The perspective has already been picked for you. Jesus is proof. He went through the trial. He passed the test. The worst thing that's ever happened to anybody happened to Jesus, and he volunteered for it. And he, on the other side of the trial, on the other side of the test, he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and we have the promise of resurrection and the kingdom of God. I am so fired up about this right now. I wanna pick the right perspective every single time. Do I always do it? No, I do not. But God is so full of mercy and grace, he'll give me another shot. He'll give you another shot. You get to pick the perspective. He always does, that's right, he always does. He'll give you another shot. You get to pick the perspective. And, here, and here's, here's why this matters, because we hate taking tests, but we love tested things. You've heard that around here before. If you hang out with the teaching team, Brad says it, Dan says it, I say it. All, a lot of our other pastors say it. I don't like taking tests, but I sure do enjoy tested things. Can I, can I, um, can I quote to you my favorite commercial right now? I don't watch a lot of TV, but, but man, I, I, I like humor. I think of myself as a funny guy, and some of y'all find that funny, but let me tell you my favorite um, commercial right now. It's all about tested things, okay? All right, so just, just to set this up, I fly a lot. I would never wanna fly on a plane if the pilot had skipped the test, right? I, I ride in cars with lots of different people. I'm not getting in your car if you failed your driver's test. You better tell me if you're trying to take me somewhere and you don't have a permit or a driver's license, tell me. That way I can walk. 
I'll meet you there three days later, okay? I, I, I love tested things, but I don't like taking tests. I'm not gonna go, I had my gallbladder removed earlier this year. I don't want a surgeon cutting on me if he skipped the test on how to remove a gallbladder. This is my favorite commercial. It's AT&T commercial. Some of y'all know which one it is. Let me set it up for you. A man and his wife are in the hospital room. He's about to go into surgery. The nurse is interviewing them before the surgeon comes in. The man says to the nurse, have you worked with Dr. Francis before? The nurse says, oh yeah, he's okay. And the wife of the man goes, just okay? Meanwhile, Dr. Francis is coming into the room. He yells down the hall, guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. <laughs> he walks in the room and he looks at the guy in the gown that's about to have operation. He goes, hey, are you nervous? The guy goes, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Francis goes, yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And as he walks out, see y'all in there. <laughs> I love that commercial because that commercial is so funny to me. We will not trust ourselves to untested products. We won't trust our safety to untested seatbelts. Have you ever thought how weird it is when you're on a plane and they tell you to put on a seatbelt? I'm flying from Greenville, Spartanburg to Topeka, Kansas. I don't need a flotation device. I need a giant rubber ball that will bounce out of a cornfield. You ever thought about how weird that is? They tell you to strap up so that you will be safely attached to the flaming wreckage as it crashes onto the ground. I trust seat belts that have been tested. I trust helmets that have been tested. I trust surgeons that have been tested. We hate taking tests, but we love tested things because tested things can be trusted. We trust tested things. Listen, so does God. He trusts tested people. Please don't ever think that when you see me or Brad or Dan or Mayor or Caleb or Shari or a guest or anybody that comes up on this, please don't think that, that we just wake up and know how to do this. Just like you, we go through the exact same trials and tests all the time. We trust tested things and so does God. And the reason why some of us lack pure joy, the result of this process, is because we're skipping test day. We're skipping test day. As long as the music is great, as long as the room feels good, as long as the conference is full, as long as everybody's friendly to you, as long, like we're in. But then things get hard, things get tough. And when we should be diving further into the community, further into church, further into a group, further into a connect class, when we should be diving in more for, for whatever is going on in that moment, a lot of us, a lot of us, I'm not saying you, I don't know you, like I, unless you're one of my very close personal friends, but I know me. And what most of us do at some point in our lives, myself included, we eject the first time it gets hard. We bail out the first time it gets hard. We start looking for the ripcord. We start looking for the eject button. We start figuring out ways to stop coming to church. We start figuring out excuses to quit tithing. We start figuring out reasons to avoid our brothers and sisters because we don't want the shame of having to confess to them, I'm going through a trial. But don't you know this is where pure joy comes from? Every single person that you will face today at a New Spring Gathering and tomorrow at work and yesterday, wherever you were on Saturday, Saturday. Every one of them is either in a trial, just coming out of a trial, or about to go into a trial. 
There's no exemptions to this. Nobody is exempt from this process. So if I want God to trust me, I have to be tested. And on the other end of that, I'm complete, I'm mature, I lack nothing, I get pure joy. I wanna talk about another word, and that's the word perseverance. Perseverance means holding on and not giving up. That's what perseverance is. Perseverance is what we get when we go through a trial. And on the other end of that is this thing called pure joy. And so perseverance is this one crazy, weird part of the equation, right? Now, hold on. If I persevere through a hard time, how does that make me happy? Didn't say it made you happy. Gives you pure joy. We had a lot of happy people around South Carolina today. Wren High School won the state championship last night. Dutch Fork High School won their division state championship last night. Clemson barely squeaked by Virginia last night. Got a lot of happy people. But do you know that your happiness can, can be blown up just as fast if your team loses or if your car tears up or if you have a fight with your spouse? I'm talking about joy. Why does this work? Because our faith grows in the soil of struggles. Pastor Dan talked about it last week, that manure the stuff that, that stinks, the stuff that we're embarrassed about, the things that we don't like, that we wanna get rid of, that is the, the, the thing that makes the soil so fertile. That's where our faith grows. And if your faith is never tested, your faith can't be strong. If my faith is never tested, my faith is not strong. And I'm gonna say this as your pastor, I love you. I say this from a heart of love. Hear my pastoral heart behind this. If your faith is weak, it's because you're ejecting out of the test when it gets hard. Turn around and face it. Just like your car, if you're in your car, they teach you this, you should have learned this. When your car starts to skid, we tend to turn away from the skid, which just makes it go faster. Turn into it. In other words, face it. Go right to it. And let the joy of the Lord come out of that process. I wonder what struggles you're going through and I wonder if you're embracing them or running away from them. You know, preaching this message for me, honestly, I won't say it's easy, but it's part of my DNA because I've been through some hard things. You, you've heard me over the last several years share some of those with you. I won't go through the details, but I, I lost both my parents, I lost all my grandparents. I just, I've had some really hard things. 2019, I'm gonna say this, has been a year of pure joy. I, I'm living out what I'm preaching right now. Guys, I haven't had a, a, as many good years recently, but 2019 has been the best year of my life. I wanna give God the glory for it. It's been the best year of my life. My marriage is so wonderful. We're not perfect, we fight a lot, but I love my wife. We just celebrated 20 years and we just went on a sabbatical. My son, is, is, who was up here just a month ago or so, called to preach the gospel. My other son is growing in his faith and he loves church and loves fuse. And I was saved this year from uh, dying because my gallbladder died on me. I didn't know what in the world was going wrong. And I've lost 23 pounds this year. I also found my biological family this year. My cousin came to rally Tuesday night who lives in Myrtle Beach and he came to Anderson and got to be here to hear me preach for the first time. I'm crazy about my sister. I think she's awesome. I've had a great year. But let me tell you how I lost 23 pounds this year. 
I didn't buy anything off the internet. I didn't buy a pill off a of TV. I lost 23 pounds this year because I did some hard things. Now, make fun of me if you want to, judge me if you want to, but I started because I'm 47 and my body hurts because I played football my whole life. I started a different regiment this year. I'm doing two new things exercise-wise that I wasn't doing before. The first is hot yoga. Laugh it up if you want to. I double dog Scooby-Doo dare you. Come and do hot yoga with me and Shari and my hot yoga instructor. I mean my, I mean my yoga instructor who, who I mean the, the, I mean the instructor for the hot, shut up. I'm, no, I'm not calling her hot. I'm not calling her ugly. She's cute. Okay. Tammy, are you here? Tammy, I'm so sorry. Scott, I'm sorry. Are, is that you? Are you literally there? Hey. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Okay. So I started doing hot yoga this year and I started going to the YMCA and doing a spin class, not a sin class, a spin class. What is it? It's, this, it's called the Enduro Cycle Theater. And it's this big room with bikes and you get on them and you pedal really fast and you don't go anywhere. And you can go in a class where there's an instructor or you can watch a big TV where a guy that I have nicknamed Bill will yell at you and tell you where to go. Welcome to Corsica, France. Welcome to the Grand Pyrenees. Welcome to Loch Ness, Scotland. And, 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 and I'm like, I, that guy's drinking sweet tea somewhere, eating a biscuit, telling me to pedal faster. So I don't even listen to him anymore. I bring my headphones. I put in my 80s and 90s hard rock mix, y'all. And, and listen, can I tell you what I want to do every, every single Tuesday morning at 530 at the YMCA? Shari and I and our hot yoga instructor, okay? Every single Tuesday morning, five minutes in, do you know what I want to do? Quit. It's early, and they turn it up to 90 degrees in that room. That's why they call it hot yoga. You know what I want to do five minutes into every single cycle class? Quit, leave, go to Starbucks and get a triple frappe something. That's what I want to do, go to Chick-fil-A, get saved all over again, <laughs> eat some biscuits. That's what I want to do. But do you know how I lost 23 pounds this year? I didn't quit. I stayed with it. And you know what else I gotta do? I gotta keep staying with it. That's why yesterday, like, like no normal person would do, at 4.30 on a Saturday afternoon when everybody else is having fun, I'm walking into the YMCA an hour and a half before they close. And I'm going to that cycle studio by myself because nobody's there because people have lives. And I'm in there and I'm listening to Van Halen. I get up, uh, 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 and nothing gets me down. And I'm like, I wanna quit. But Van Halen's telling me, nothing gets me down. And I'm paddling, I'm paddling, I'm paddling. At the end of the class, I persevered. Yesterday, at the end of the class, I have a little readout that tells me what I've done. Yesterday, I went 17 miles and burned 570 something calories. Hey. You only get the good stuff if you persevere through the process. If we keep quitting, we're only cheating ourselves. So persevere, stay with it. Our faith grows in the soil of struggles. So what's the end result? Pure joy. It's the end result of a painful process. But it's so worth it. Because at the end of this process, guess, guess what you get? You don't just get joy. Oh, no, you get the best kind. You get pure joy. 
you get organic, free-range, gluten-free, pesticide-free, herbicide-free, purified, bona fide, gentrified, stupefied. You get the good stuff. This is the best kind of joy because it has gone through the purification process. And this kind of joy is right alongside, right next door to, holding hands with, shoulder to shoulder with, maturity, completion, lacking nothing. In my life, can I tell you what I've learned? In my life, I have more joy when I'm closest to Jesus. I'm closest to Jesus when I need him the most. And I need him the most when I'm facing a trial. I'll run that by you again because that's how the formula works. That's how the equation works. That's how pure joy equals trials. That's how it works. In my life, I have more joy when I'm closest to Jesus. I'm closest to Jesus when I need him most. And I need him most when I'm facing a trial. So when we know the end result, when we know that on the other side of the test you're taking and the trial you're enduring, there is a pure joy that comes from intimacy with Jesus, here's what you can do. You can answer every what if with even if. What if I'm betrayed? What if I lose my job? What if the cancer comes back? What if the divorce is finalized? What if I don't get into that college? What if I do go on academic probation? What if the addiction takes way longer to kick than I thought it was going to? What if I don't get that promotion? What if I declare bankruptcy? What if, what if, what if? Learn to answer every what if with an even if. Even if I go bankrupt, I'm not living for money. I'm living for the kingdom of God and he'll provide. Even if the divorce is finalized, I will do what I can to reconcile. And if the divorce does go through, then I'm gonna pray that we get remarried again no matter how long it takes. What if the cancer comes back? Well, even if it comes back, God is my healer and he will heal me right here and right now and I'll have a story to tell or he will heal me by letting me die so that I can be alive with him forever and waiting on my friends and family to come and join me. You can answer every what if with an even if if you are after pure joy. Happiness won't cut it. Happiness is cheap. It's plastic. You chunk it after you use it a couple of times. Happiness comes and goes. Pure joy stays forever. It's down in the marrow of your bones. I have lived this. I'm still living this. And I will live it until I die. Because in this world, we're going to face trials and tests and troubles and tribulations. And you know what I've learned? Those things make me weak. But if my weakness won't go away, I'm gonna put it to work. And it's gonna show me who Jesus is and it's gonna make me lean on him and it's gonna make me trust him more. So we started this entire message talking about this crazy equation, didn't we? We saw the, the equation from Goodwill Hunting and then we saw the crazy equation, pure joy equals trials. Just like one plus one always equals two, pure joy in the life of a Christian always comes from the result of trials and testing. How do we know that? Because of the promise of James 1.12. Blessed, happy, complete, fulfilled. That's the word chesed in Hebrew. It literally means happy, complete, and fulfilled. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life 
that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So if you're going through a trial or a test, hang on, persevere, trust the Holy Spirit, get around the people of God, we've been there too, we can help you, you can help us, we'll help each other, that's what family does. So when this is our perspective, we don't have to fear trials, we welcome them. We welcome them. You don't have to pray for trials, because they're coming. You don't have to pray for a test, they're coming. You don't have to ask God to send hard times your way, the world will do that. You don't have to ask God to make you weak. Your flesh is already weak. I don't have to ask God to purify me through bad things. The devil is gonna send bad things my way. But man, this is the ace up our sleeve. This is the cheat code for the Christian. We have God. And God will never let us go through a trial or a test that he has not already sovereignly planned a way for it to purify us through a process that on the tail end of it brings us completion, maturity, lacking nothing, a joy that has been purified, a joy that cannot be shaken. Better than happiness, better than more money in the bank, better than a promotion, pure joy. So I'm not afraid of trials. I say this out loud, I welcome them because I know that that trying of my faith is gonna produce in me a perseverance. And the tail end of it, the end of it, is that one day I'll see Jesus and know it was all worth it. Hey, I'm gonna ask you at every campus as we enter into our response time, can I, can I get everybody up on their feet? Go ahead, eyes open, up on your feet. We're gonna worship and respond in just a moment. And as you stand up, I wanna mention two things to you. First of all, as we enter into our time of response, I need to ask you these two questions. What is God saying to you? I know you've been listening. Spirit's been speaking to you. What is God saying to you? But that's not enough. What do you need to do? How do you need to respond? Do you need to change your perspective? Switch it up a little bit? Confess to somebody? Or how about this? How about in just a moment when local pastor from your campus comes out to handle our response time. How about this? How about some of you realize that this altar up front at your church, at your campus right there, it's not a place of pity. It's not where you come and throw a pity party. This is a place of power. This is a place where you present yourself to God. So how about this? Maybe the thing that you need to do today, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe some of us need to come to the altar with our husband, our wife, our friends, our coworkers, our children, our, our fiance, or by ourselves, and get on our knees and say, thank you, Jesus, for the hard things I've faced. Thank you for the trials I've been through this year. Thank you for the tests that you've given me. Lord, I wanna be trusted. Keep testing me. Give me that pure joy. So that's what we're gonna do, we're gonna respond. But before we do, I just thought collectively we could get 23 or 24,000 people across South Carolina today to do this one thing. In just a second, a local pastor is gonna come to your stage and handle the response time so that you can come to this place of power, not of pity, and you can do business with God right where you stand. But I thought it would be powerful if we could get thousands and thousands of us right now together, collectively, to raise a hallelujah, to cheer and clap and say to our Heavenly Father, Thank you for the pure joy you're giving me through the trials I'm facing. Can we do that right now? Can we stir up some faith? And can we thank God for the endurance he's promised us by the Holy Spirit? Now a local pastor is gonna come.